maybe two or three more lessons after this one. It's been a good book. I love Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to try to get through the whole book tonight. This is going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys know this, this. This is a very famous chapter. It's called the Hall of Faith. It's like you're walking down this hall with all these guys' faces on the walls. And, and, and these guys that were, as chapter 12, verse 1 says, it was a great cloud of witnesses. I mean, they testified to what it was to listen to God's word and then to obey it and to act it out and really to trust in him. And these awesome stories that come through these people, and it's just an encouragement to us. And you get to see that over and over as we go through all these people. And you guys know how faith is. Um, I think one of the examples that comes up in my mind when I think of faith is throwing kids in the air. Now, <laughs> that's just what kind of guy I am. I just love to throw kids <laughs> in a positive way. Um, but you guys, I mean, I think everybody could relate with, as your kid, your dad threw you up in the air, you know, or, or maybe your mom was the one that did it in your family. But my dad was the one that did it in our family, and it was a fun thing. It, it was always fun. And I loved to see my dad when he'd come home from work or, or wherever, and I would always get thrown up in the air uh, until one time. My dad came home, and he'd been up all night long because he was driving, and I think I was, I had to be around five years old, and my dad throws me up in the air and then just watches me hit the ground. <laughs> and then he's all, he will kind of startle him, and like, oh, he's like, I just forgot, I forgot to catch you. <laughs> I threw you up there, and I was wondering what I was doing, and then the kid just hit the ground. Yeah, you can go ahead and say, okay, that's what's up with you. <laughs> so that was hard. The faith kind of left after that <laughs> with my dad. But another thing is that me and my dad, I mean, we, we loved to see how high we could get the kids down to Mexico because they're resilient down there. So we, we'd see how high we could throw them up in the air and, and catch them. And these kids love it to death. I mean, a lot of these kids are not having, you know, it's a lot of the street kids and things like that. So to have a, a, a man have fun with them like that, have joy and have these, this laughter going on, well, the thing was is that me and my dad would get bored after a while because the kids were so trusting. And so we'd figure out other ways we could scare the kids to death. And so <laughs> there was one time my dad was standing from like, I mean, quite a ways away, maybe from here to the chairs, and he goes, here you go. And so he takes one of those little kids and just throws him through the air, and you could just, my dad says the funniest thing, because you just see this kid, like, joy, and then all of a sudden, sheer terror, like, <laughs> you just threw me away from you, <laughs> and I mean, he's, like, launched up in the air, and then I caught him on the other side, and he's just like, otra vez, otra vez, he's like, again, again, <laughs> and then all the kids, boom, there's a line, you know, and so here we are throwing these kids back and forth, and then we, that got boring, so then we had to figure out what else we could do, so we started throwing them on the roofs, and you throw them up there, and all of a sudden, they're sitting on the roof, and they're like, what? <laughs> But that faith, that, that confidence, that trust that they had um, and getting to have, and, and that's what we are with God. I mean, that's the thing is that you walk with him in your life and you have all these years, you're going to have this faith that's incredible with him, especially as he tries you and, and, and he takes you through some really hard things in your life and he catches you every single time. You're going to get to see that, wow, every time he's going to do this, you know, he's going to be much better than an earthly father that might drop you <laughs> or miss you or, or whatever, but... Just having God and, 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 the, and the walk he takes us through and, and that walk that he's prepared us for, it's so cool to get to see and, and have this faith that gets built up to where it gets to a point where you're like, yeah, God, I mean, you tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. I mean, I'll go for anything. And then you get to see all these cool stories, these guys in the Bible, that that's, that's how they were. 
It was like, you tell me what to do. I'll go do it. You want me to go battle the whole army over there with my buddy? Okay, Jonathan, let's go. Let's go take these guys out. <laughs> you know, and it, it, incredible feats like that, awesome stories that you get to see of God working through men um, because they're willing to take that step. And so as we get into it, we're going to go through in that first part of chapter 11 where it talks about, and it kind of, it, it's not, and I've had it both ways. I've had it taught to me both ways that uh, verse 1 is not a definition of faith and that, that verse 1 is a definition of faith. And as I researched it tonight and, and went over it last night and went through it, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of take it through what I see in it, and then you can go wherever you want with it. But it's an awesome representation of what faith is. So let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 3. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a, God, or a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And Lord, just as we research through your scriptures and we get to see these awesome people that you worked wonders through, I mean, first of all, you even understand that this is not stories um, that are made up or, or, or some you know, nighttime story, Lord, um, but they're real people that you worked in their lives and all the faults that they had, but you're, you're, right here you're showing them as a testimony of what it is to have faith in, in what you say and actually believe what you say is true and to walk after that, Lord. So I pray that we'd be encouraged as we go through the scripture tonight, um, that if we're wavering right now, Lord, that you just build us strong and uh, remind us that you're there to catch us every single time and um, what an awesome walk it is to be with you and the testimony that we get to have with others of, of what the faith has happened in our life and what you've done through our lives, Lord. So we just want to exalt you tonight. We want to praise you and thank you for what you did in these people's lives and what you're doing in our life, Lord. And uh, you're such a good God to us. We praise you and lift you high. Amen. All right, so that verse 1. Let's just tear it apart right here. I, I side more on the thing that it's not a definition um, just because of how it's worded. And, and what I mean by that is, is the different words, especially the word substance and evidence and how those are used there. I think what it's saying here is rather than a definition of faith, it's the action of faith. It's the work of faith. Here's what faith does, okay? Which you could argue, well, that's a definition, you know, of what. But as you go through it and you see, um, I don't think it's that big a deal, honestly. I think looking at it and he's going to set you up, the writer's going to set you up, is here's what faith does, okay? And here's what you're going to see in every one of these people's lives. And so as we tear it apart, we go in and we start looking at it. And I'll give you guys the definition. I went and looked up the definition and... Uh, I don't know if it was Wikipedia or whatever. It might have been just the first Google one that showed up. But it says faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Okay, Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, when it goes through and it talks about that verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word in Greek, substance, it's relating to something which becomes a foundation for another thing to stand on it. That's what that word means. So it's that foundation. So it'd be the same thing as the foundation of a house. And so then when you look at it and it says, okay, the faith is the foundation or the establishment of the things that are hoped for. So those things that we hope for are built on faith. Faith gives the foundation for what we hope. We hope in the eternal promises of God, all right? I mean, that's where our faith goes. We, we see that God's written things. We've seen that he's said things. He's done things in people's lives. And we put our faith in that and we see, okay, you know, here's this hope that he's going to come again. I have faith he's coming again, for sure. I mean, that's what you guys were even talking about. I think it's awesome that Autumn was talking about it and being excited about it, you know, and getting to think about, you know, he's for sure coming back. Even singing that song tonight, 
I mean, how many of you guys were thinking about that? Like, Jesus, I do want you to come back soon, please. You know, I'm ready for you. I'm sick of walking in this body. You know, I want out of here. I want to be with you for eternity. I can't wait to be walking with you. Um, and just as we praise him and, and sing Maranatha, you know, it's a good thing. The next part is the evidence of the things not seen. Now, that word evidence would be um, assurance is what that word would mean. So it's the insurance of the invisible. So as we grow in Christ, our faith grows because it's put to work, uh, that assurance that's going to happen. So now as faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things not seen, we have that establishment, that, that faith that is that foundation for those things we're going to hope for, and it's the assurance of the things that are not seen. Okay? There's a lot of things in life that are like that. Um, I think it's interesting that there's so many people that want to attack uh, the faith that we have. So funny. I mean, that, that, that word is like, it seriously is the F word to the world, faith. You know, they're, they're disgusted by it. And they'll, they'll say how ignorant and foolish and stupid and unreasonable you are if, if you hold on to faith. It's really the biggest thing that you're challenged with when you go to a university is if you say you have faith in something, automatically they'll challenge your reasoning. And they'll say, well, you're a person that's not of reason then. You don't think for yourself. You've been conditioned in a certain way. And so to break out of that, really, you need to go back to what is true substance, things you can touch, hear, smell, feel. You use your senses. And it's so funny because how in the very first part of that, they're directing you right to humanism. Because it's going to be about you discovering your surroundings, and that's going to be your ultimate, you know, that's going to be your defining line. It's going to be how you interact with the things around you. And it's like, how foolish. Because how many times have you made an error in discovering things around you, and it wasn't truth? Things that you've defined in a certain way in your younger age, and then as you get older, you see them in a different way, and you can define them in a different way, a more intelligible way. And here they are in the universities and the schools telling you, no, this is what you're supposed to do. The world's foolishness, right? No wisdom there. And it makes me laugh because there's, there's times that I've gone through and I've debated with professor, professors when they challenge me on my faith, and I challenge them right back, and I say, look, even in your own science, what do you call hypothesis? A hypothesis is a thought that something can act out a certain way. So you have this thought that it's going to go this certain way. I said, well, then what do you do after you have a hypothesis? Do you just let it sit there? Said, no, you act on faith to see if it works out, whether it does or it does. You have to have faith to have that action. I was like, you guys just don't use that word because you're afraid of it, but that's what it is. You believe in something you can't see yet. You're hoping in something that you, you, you want to discover, and so you're going to take that next step to try to figure it out. You just don't want to call it that word because then it might be religious to you. <laughs> the things that you get to see in people's lives, that, that they're so against this word yet. I mean, look when they vote for a candidate. They have faith that that person's going to do what they said, right? Oh, but faith is a bad word. We can't have that. The other one is that you guys, when we drive on the road, we have faith that the people are not going to come over those lines, as if lines can stop a car. I mean, think about some of the places you're going 70 miles an hour, and there's a car right on the other side of this line. kind of freaks you out if you start thinking about it. It's like, wow, just a little turn, it's done. You know, all these little things, but we have faith that they're going to follow those rules, <laughs> You could say people have hope that they do. <laughs> Maybe the faith isn't there. We have faith in stairs and ladders. Think about that. Every time you guys go upstairs, you're having faith that those things are built right. Hopefully Chuck and his guys did a good job on your house. <laughs> All right? <laughs> if not, you know where to find him. 
We have faith in brakes on the car. Guys, we can't see our brakes, can we? I mean, most of the time we have to take our tire off to go see how far, you know, if we need to change them soon or not. We have brakes on our cars that we have faith that are going to stop us. As soon as we push this pedal, we're hoping that everything's going to work out for us and so we can actually stop and not hit that deer or, or, or whatever. But it's all these things. I mean, you could just go on and list after list after list of how people have a certain faith in things that they can't see, things that they have no control over. But the thing is, is that why they have it is because it's worked out for them in the past and it's done its duty in whatever it is. Like every time they go upstairs, well, I've done these stairs before, so I know they're going to work. I mean, how many of you guys have been to Glen Erie? Not Glen Erie. Bishop's Castle. Okay. Uh, it, that is a place that it's like, if you haven't been up them, you're like, you know, the shuffle on the foot out there and then a little bit of weight on it to see if it's going to go through. While your kids are just like, pooh, you know, right up the top of it. And you're like, what? <laughs> Scary, okay? Especially for people like me that are terrified of heights. I mean, I tried to push myself to see how high I could get, and I'm just getting scared and scared and closer to the wall to where I'm hardly even using the things that he's built out there. It's like I'm scaling the side of the wall. <laughs> You know, that's definitely, a, that, you want to, yeah, do, do a little thing with the youth group, take them on a faith adventure, go up there. Maybe your parents wouldn't be happy about that, but <laughs> it is a scary thing, but it's amazing some of those places that will hold you, and, and it looks like it won't. Um, but there's all these different things that the world wants to go, and, the, and they, they want to ignore this, this huge word, and they want to define it as something else that they could have more control over, you know, something that they can put their hands on something that they can identify and they can claim it is, this is how I interpret it. And with faith, you can't do that. Faith is a scary thing. Because faith is letting go. It's, it's saying, self, you have no control here. The control has to be given up to somebody else. Now, the faith is a much different, and, and I don't want to relate it and say the faith of God is the same as going upstairs. I'm just trying to say that they use that word. The faith that we have with God, is, is a, it's a different level. It's a different thing. And here's how it is, is because... We know as we grow as Christians, as we grow, our faith grows too, doesn't it? You guys think when you guys first came to Jesus Christ, there was things that maybe you were asked to do or give up in your life, and you knew there could be consequences for it, like family members are no longer going to talk to you anymore, friends are going to hate you, you know, all the good friends you had. Remember all those great friends? Do anything for you? <laughs> yeah, you had to lose them, right? There was all these things that God would take you through these steps and, and especially as new believers, we were like, okay, God, I'm going to try this. This is scary. And maybe we just put a little bit, you know, the foot out there, the foot shuffle, and see if it holds us. But after a while, it's like, you know what? I can give up anything to him because I've seen what's happened in the past. I can see what he's done in my relationships. I can see uh, the relationship I have that's so much closer to him because I gave those things up. And it's not just giving up. It's like, hey, I want you to go over here. I want you to minister to this person. I want you to speak to this person. And getting to have those experiences where, you know, you go up to somebody, you think you're going to share Christ with them, and, and they're already a believer. They just need some encouragement that day. And it's so cool. And you walk away like, God, thank you so much for using me. And then there's all those other times where you've been prompted to do that, and it's like, no, I'm not budging. I'm not going to go talk to that person. And, and you know, that, that whole the battle of the mind that takes place when, uh, when the Holy Spirit's prompting you. But you get to see that growth that takes place. Now, with faith, and I, I think that it's cool to see these other words that come in there, and I've used a little, a few of them, but, you know, as faith grows, it, it, it becomes, if you want to put it in other words, another word would be confidence, right? Faith would be confidence. 
And then, and then the ultimate, the, the full measure of faith that we hear about in the scriptures, I would say that that would be trust. The full measure of faith is trust. Like you absolutely trust. You know it's going to happen. There is a time in our lives where me and my wife were doing very well out in Durango. Uh, Ava was five months old, and uh, I was working for a carpet guy, doing really good, and he just offered me um, a big sum of money yearly, uh, my own vehicle, my own crew, basically to run his whole company. And I could live in Durango. I mean, the place is beautiful. I don't know if you've been there. I have a nice house, all this stuff. But God already called me out to California to go to Bible college. And uh, it was one of our first times in our marriage where it's like, okay, we have a little kid. We have a sweet job. Everything's working out great here. Do we drop everything, leave it, and go after what the Lord wants to do? And we ended up doing it, and it's so cool to see God build our faith as we went through that process. And going out there with only $150 in our, in our bank account, we didn't do credit cards, so that's what we had. The first thing we pull into California, it's just like the movies. I had a guy coming up to my window wanting to fight with me. Hilarious. I was, I was laughing at him because I was like, this is so cliche. Like, because every reality show had some pretty person get mad at you for cutting them off, come up and banging on your window. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, man. I thought you were letting me over. Anyways, get into California, and, and we're left with this, and I have a little baby, and we have no place to stay. The Bible college we were going to go to uh, didn't have families. They didn't allow them on the campus because it was basically one student per uh, lodging where you could have six in the same spot. It was when it was full. So we're like, okay, God, you brought us all the way out here. I mean, I know you got something for us. So I was asking around the churches, asking people if they had something for $400 a month or something like that, um, that we, I could work and go to school and, and pay for that. And they laugh at me and say, you know, you poor Colorado, and you don't know what's, it, what it's like here in California. There's nothing for $400. And I'm like, no, no, no. There is. I know there is because God called me here, and that's what I can afford. So I just needed to know if you're the one that had it. If not, that's okay. I just need to go find the person that has it because I know somebody has it. And, and they laugh at us. And then we move on, and, and we ended up staying in a motorhome in somebody's driveway for two weeks and uh, with no heat, which it's California, but it was still below freezing. And we had Ava. I mean, she, we're, like, bawling every little piece of clothing that we could around her to keep her warm in this thing. And then I went and talked to the, the Bible college, asked if we could get on campus. They said, no. Well, then I took Ava back with me. You know, I was hoping. <laughs> I was like, well... <laughs> You know, maybe they'll feel bad for us. <laughs> so I took Ava with me, and sure enough, the guy there, man, he, he fell in love with Ava, and uh, he was like, well, let's see what we can work out. And we had to be out of these people's motorhome because they are about to get fined for us living in their driveway, good old California. And, you know, they don't let people live in the driveways. But <laughs> um, we went over there and talked to them, and I had to be out, I, I think it was January 21st is what I had to be out of his motorhome. And they said, okay, we'll go ahead and let you out on campus, but it's going to be $1,500 extra for your family plus tuition. And I was like, okay, I don't have that money, but I'll work it off. You know, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And uh, it ends up that um, we went and talked to somebody. They said, you can come on the 25th over here. And I'm like, okay, we don't know anybody here. I guess that's a couple of nights in the parking lot of Walmart. That's what I thought we were going to be doing in our car. And I was just praying. And, and then we went and walked over to somebody else that was over the conference center. And they said, well, why, why don't they just come in on the 19th? And I was like, yes, Lord, thank you. And the guy's like, no, and they're arguing back and forth. And here I am seeing like Walmart parking lot, <laughs> student housing, Walmart parking lot, and like just watching these guys go back and forth. And then finally they settled on the 21st. And I was like, ah, it's hard not to cry during that time because I was like, God, you are so good to us. I mean, it was just awesome. You care about my little child. I didn't want to be in the parking lot. And, and you're just good. 
And after that, it was like one thing after another. We needed a refrigerator. I was frustrated at God because there was no thrifty nickel there in California, and I couldn't get a used one. Well, I went down to eat uh, at the, at the um, well, I don't remember what it was. Basically, all the staff could go down there and eat. And the first thing, I meet this guy. You know, being my best friend. He's like, hey, do you need a fridge? That was the first words out of his mouth. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And it was just one thing after another like that. I got on staff. Um, I was looking for a place for 400 a month to rent. They gave me a place for free. I got a free condo, brand new paint. I got to do all the flooring and everything. I was getting paid 13 an hour. All of our family had free food. I mean, it was awesome what God had. I got to go back to those people that were laughing at us about the 400 a month. And I said, yeah, you guys are right. I didn't even understand what I was supposed to be looking for. God wanted us to give us a place for free. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, we got a free place, and I'm getting paid, and you know, it was just awesome. And getting to walk through that with the Lord, I mean, it was just so cool to see that we took our daughter out of a place that was very scary. We had a sure place, and, and moving and taking my wife and saying, God, we're in your hands. I know you love my family a lot more, and it was rough in some of those times, but it was so cool to see that faith get into a place where I could absolutely trust him to the point of you want us to drop everything and sell everything that we've collected now and move to a foreign country where my wife is going to have to have a baby in a foreign country, and I've heard how that goes. You know, and just scary things, but it's like, God, psh, that's nothing. I mean, look what you've done. And we know that we're in your hands and you're going to take care of us, and he did. Awesome stories. And just that thing that he's given and that faith and that confidence and then what he's just developed into this awesome trust that we have for him. But getting to go through that and, and understand that when God speaks, you trust. That when God's word is delivered, you trust in what he says. And that's what we're going to go through. We're going to see all these people that God would speak to them, and they trusted what he had said to them. Faith can only be as good as the object that it's being applied to. Faith can only be as good as the object that it's being applied to. We apply our faith to God, right? That, that's a good faith. Anything in this world, it's not going to be near as good as what you're putting your faith in if you put it in God and His Word. It's not feeling towards God, and that's a big thing. Is that Faith is not some kind of a little feeling that you have, like that burning in the bosom that the Mormons talk about. I always laugh when they say that. That's their defining feature of how they know they're saved. I'm like, you're trusting in the flesh to know that you're saved. You've read that scripture, right? You don't do that? And they're kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But it's not a feeling towards God's word, but rather our total response and what God has revealed in his word. It's a response, guys. It's his, our response to him. Oswald Sanders said this, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. It's a good thing. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Jesus is coming back. How do we treat that? How do we treat that? Look at all those verses that say watch, right? Watch. Not, not sit around and watch, but like be that doorkeeper, watching. Be those, those, uh, those virgins waiting, you know, watching. In verse 2, he moves on, and after he gives the, the, what faith is all about, and he says in verse 2, for it by the elders obtained a good testimony. That's what happens. You guys follow. You trust in Jesus Christ. You trust in the promises of God. There's awesome testimony that flows out of that, right? I mean, even the testimony I get to share with you guys of God just delivering everything to our family. It's so cool, and he'll do that with every single person if you're willing to step out there and trust in his word. I know all of you guys in here have an awesome testimony of what God's done in your own lives. Share with that with other people. It's so important. So important. This whole chapter is about doing that. 
in verse 3, this is, is a, I think, a super important verse. And here's the reason why is because it goes right back to verse 1 of the whole Bible, where it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So out of nothing came everything because God spoke it, right? Something that's against nature, which is one of the things that you kind of going to X out the whole Big Bang Theory. doesn't work because they believe the same thing, that nothing came, or everything came from nothing, but there was no superior being that spoke it into existence. They just believe that it was. And it's unfortunate that they have chosen to go that way. But right here is, if you cannot believe that first part of the scriptures, you're going to have a tough time going through the rest of the Bible, right? If you cannot believe that God made the heavens and the earth, the whole rest of the scriptures where he separates the water, you know, or the Red Sea, and, and, and he breaks it, you know, this rock, and, and water comes out of this rock, and he, he defeats all these armies, you're going to have a hard time with every single one of those if you can't believe that he created the, the heavens and the earth. And that's why I think the writer goes right there and he starts with that. By faith we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen, which are seen, were not made of the things which are visible. And then he starts going into the examples. And this is when he's going to start hitting all these people. But first, before we get in there, I want you guys to see something as we go through this. I want you guys to try to grasp each one of these points of views or um, each one of these... Uh, common themes that go throughout each one of these people's lives and their faith to uh, God's Word. The writer gives some great examples of men and women in faith, and so here's these three things that are spoken. The first one is, is God spoke to them through His Word. That's what happens on each one of these people. God speaks to them through His Word. And then they were stirred, is the second one. They were stirred when God spoke to them. It didn't fall on deaf ears. The third one is that they obeyed God. They obeyed what He, did, he said to do. And then in the end, God uses them as examples for, for us, for those people that are to come, for the people that are going to be after them. That, look, you can trust in him. <laughs> it will work out. And we're even going to get to see some of these people, like even Rahab. We'll, we'll talk about her a little bit. And she's a prime example of getting to see something happen and see this, this awesome thing that God did. And then that also gave her the faith to believe that she was going to be okay. And so as we go through it, check out those three different things. So... Verses 4 through 7, let's go ahead and read them. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that was, he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and uh, through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. And right there, putting some pretty big people in there. I mean, Abel, here's the, here's the first one that's martyred because of faith right? You could look at him as he being the first martyr of the faith, because this is what happened is that he believed in what he was going to do with this sacrifice. He brought his, the, the, the prime prime of his flock, which I've told you guys before, you wanted to keep those so you could develop your flock into a better flock. So it was a big trust thing. It was a big faith issue in him bringing that and giving it before the Lord. And now 
with his, his brother Cain bringing in his, it says that it's not, it wasn't, because there wasn't the heart there. You know, and it ends up that because of the jealousy and because of the anger that was brought up, that Cain ended up killing his brother. And he says that though he which he obtained witness that was he was righteous, God testifying as of the gifts. And this is what's cool is though it, and through it, he being dead still speaks, still testifies, still testifies that faith of him bringing in. So you get to see in the very first part, here's Abel bringing in, and by faith he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother. And then Enoch which I think is so cool because this writer here, I mean, we take it for granted because we're in the New Testament and we get a, you know, we've studied this before, so we know Enoch is a prime character. But I always think, like, if we just had the Old Testament, I doubt Enoch's going to be one of the ones that stands out to us because there's only three verses on him, you know? <laughs> talks about where he came from, talks about that he walked with God, and then it talks about how old he was when he was taken. It's not one of those guys we'd really sit there and mull over, but yet here's the writer going back and saying, look at this guy, look at his testimony there. Look at that faith. He pleased God so much that God didn't even allow death come on him. Man's curse didn't even fall on this guy. He just took him up to heaven. And what a cool thing. What a testimony to have in such a short thing. I just like to look at it like he was so close with God. God was like, here, you're going to come up here. We don't need to write much about you. <laughs> you, you get the hang of it. Everybody else that's written a lot, like, like Moses, it's a lot about him. It's because it took a while to get there, right? I just think me, I'm like, oh, I get it, Lord. I get why you did this before, you know, anybody like me ever existed because it would take up so many books until the guy actually got the hang of it and understood what it was to have faith after you. And then you get to see and you move on. And, and I like what verse 6 says. Verse 6 is such an impactful verse. And it says, but without faith, guys, it's impossible to please him. You want to please God? Right here it tells you how. Faith. You believe what he says he's going to do. That's what pleases him. Any of us in this room that have children, it's an exciting thing when you get to tell them something and they believe you. <laughs> I mean, it is to a point like, you know, you believe in this and you get to see their joy that comes out of it. You're trying to give them instruction on how to do something. The only thing I can think right now is because I'm excited for my little daughter. She really wants to get into hunting. And, and so we got her a bow and I can't wait till that first kill. I know you guys are probably thinking that's a little gruesome. That's just, that's my life right now. <laughs> And I can't wait for that because it's going to be a lot of training and a lot of showing and telling her when the right time is to go ahead and take that shot so it's clean, right? And it's going to be such an exciting time because she's going to have to have this trust in me to go through this whole process, and it's just going to be a time of joy. It's going to be very pleasing to me because my little kid had faith in everything we've brought her up into. And just one of those times, and that's a small example you guys can think of, but that's how it is with God. You know, as he deals with us and we go through these things, we believe what he says, it's going to make him happy. You guys want to make Jesus happy? You want to make God happy? You believe what he's telling you. You have faith in what he says, and it says that, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I encourage people all the time that walk away from the Lord, especially there's so many of our youth now doing that, right? Um, even, I mean, my heart breaks for you guys in this room, and you guys know, uh, just having your children, it scares me to death as my girls get older. Because, I mean, it's the, the statistics are getting less and less that anybody that's raised in a Christian home actually keeps following the Lord after. You know, they always break off. Now, not, I'm not saying they never come back to him. I'm just saying at the first, they usually break off. And I always want to challenge them, the kids that do that, is that go and seek him. Go look at everything out. Go, go look at all the other religions out there, and I want you to seek after God because the Scriptures promise that if you diligently seek him, you're going to find him. 
That's what his promise is. But you can be lazy and you can just sit back and be okay with how you're doing things because you really don't want to seek after him. But if you're going to be serious about it, because that's what I did in my life, I really got serious. I wanted to understand if he was a real deal. And I sought after him. And this verse is true, I'll tell you for sure, because he, he let me see him. He, I got to see him. And uh, it was awesome how he just represented himself to me in my life. In verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah. And you guys know this is my favorite character in the Bible. Noah's awesome, right? One of the coolest guys I think that ever lived because of what he went through and what he believed. His faith, I think, is one of the biggest ones out of this group. Um, and you can argue, yeah, I know Abraham and, and, and Moses, they did some pretty cool stuff too. But Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, and that's a big one is because <laughs> this is something that never taken place. I just can't imagine God telling me to do something when there's no logic at all behind it that I could even reason in my mind of why to do this. You want me to build a big boat in the middle of nowhere <laughs> because there's this water that's going to fall from heaven that's never happened before. You know, he didn't even define it, I don't think, of that much. It only says that it was rain, which we know rain because after it rained. And so even I mean, the concept. And so here's this guy that he's being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he commended the world, or condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. What a cool guy. I mean, he becomes heir of the righteousness because he's showing how it's done. You believe in God, you believe in his word. When God says he's going to do something, you move with godly fear, and you do it. And then what happens is you get to be heirs too, right? That's what he says. Now we're going to be sons of righteousness. I know what an awesome thing. Okay, we'll see if we can get through them all. <laughs> uh, verses 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents uh, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has, found, no found, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive uh, seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead, were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the seashore. And getting to see this first part of Abraham, he's going to come up a little bit later too, and is going to deal with him and Isaac. But right here at the very first part is God builds up his faith. And I, I think it's an awesome study. If you guys ever want to go do it, we always know Abraham is having this awesome faith with his son, right? Go back and look at the process that God took him to before he even got to that point. There's so many neat things that God's ended up taking Abraham through to show that he can truly rely on his word. When God says to do something, you do it, and here's what's going to happen. And here's one of those major times in Abraham's life is when God said, get up and move. And now this is a hard thing. I don't know any of you guys, if you've had to do this, where you just get up and you move because God tells you to do. So everything that you guys have set up, you know, the good job, all the, the nice stuff, everything in its, its proper spot in the house that you've collected over the years, God comes to you and says, get rid of it all. You're moving. I want you over here. You're not going to have any friends there. You're not going to know anybody. You're not going to be able to speak the language there. <coughs> it's going to be tough. <laughs> Are you ready to go? You're going to go. That's what Abraham was doing. I mean, he, he just picked up everything and went to a foreign place to go and set up and do what God had said to do. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Another thing, 
You're, you're going somewhere where you don't even know. Could you guys imagine that? God says, get up, I want you to start walking. Or get in the car, go load up the U-Haul, I want you to head east. And I'll tell you when to stop. I think about the, the um, who was it, Silas and, and, and Paul, Paul and Silas, when they, and I think it's in Acts 16, when they're going around, they're traveling around and going and visiting the different places. Remember when it says that the Holy Spirit forbid them to go into Asia, right? Well, think about those guys that they were just going. They knew they just had to go, which means that they didn't have any true direction in, in some of the places they went. Now, I know there's other places that God sent them directly to, but as they're trying to go to different places, all of a sudden they get to this point and God stops them. Holy Spirit stops them and says, I don't want you going in there yet. You need to go this way. Or not, he doesn't even tell them where to go after that. And then he tried another spot and he says no. And then he gives them that, that vision to go to Macedonia, right, with the guy over there. But it's so interesting that these guys had this, this like, let's go. If you guys think about that, you don't know how much food to take with you, right? You don't know where you're going to sleep at. You don't know the dangers along the way. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you, you're just going. And you're like, God, I just, I'm going to go. You tell me where you want me to end up going. Abraham doesn't even know where he's going. Pack everything up, go. He doesn't know how much food he should have, all these provisions and everything, and he just goes off. That's an awesome faith. Something that would be very hard for us to do. And hopefully the Lord calls you to it someday. <laughs> Been there, done that. It's good. It's, it's, it's awesome. God is good. It's so good to be with him and, and when he challenges you to do stuff. It's crazy and it doesn't make any sense. So in verse uh, 9, By faith he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs with him the same promise, for he waited for the city which was in the foundations, uh, whose builder and maker is God. And that's so awesome, just showing that representation of a sojourner, that he didn't have a place here on earth, that he's a foreigner. So important for us. Understand that we are foreigners is where we're at, guys. Don't try to set up a kingdom here. Don't get, don't get into this place. You know, we're, we're foreigners here. That's why it's so weird. That's why we don't, we don't fit in. We don't belong. If you guys are fitting in really well right now, question, why? Why am I fitting in so well when God and Jesus Christ even himself said that I'm not going to fit in well if I'm following him? You know? It really brings up some questions. Am I not being bold? Um, am I not listening to his direction? Am I not being challenged and I'm not actually stepping out in faith like he's been challenging me? And go back to him and say, Lord, if there's anything that I've said no to you before, please challenge me in that again. I want to take those walks, walks of faith with you and see what's going to end up happening. It could be very scary. Probably, probably will be scary. But it'll be so good and you'll get to see, yeah, I can trust him. Verse 10, for he waited for the city as foundations, whose builder is a marker and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child when she was past the age. I think it's great in this whole section that he brings in the women too. Because you guys know in the culture then it wasn't one of those things you glorify women, right? Here it is. He's going to point out, here's people that God was working with. Here's some women that God was working with as well. And here's Sarah. She's past the age of being able to give birth. And when it says that uh, in verse 12, Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, basically he was an old man and he couldn't do anything, especially, you know, they couldn't have a baby. <laughs> and so, <laughs> we'll just put it at that. Like, it was impossible, okay? <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. But in the end, because they believed what God said, there were so many kids that came out of it, more than the sands and the sea, you know, and more than the stars in the sky. And what an awesome thing that God fulfilled. Now, the people that are reading this, the people that are hearing this from this 
person, the Jewish people, that, that hits home right there for them because they're one of those. And they get to see, wow, yeah, I'm part of that promise that God gave them. And so I should be encouraged to walk in faith just as my, my father did with God. Verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and the pilgrims on earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called uh, to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and He has prepared a city for them. Awesome thing right there, that heavenly hope that we have. And just understand, and again, you guys, check your own lives. Take these verses here and say, can I read through this and say amen? Can I agree with this? 100% of my life, can I say, yeah, that's totally how I feel? Or is it, uh, it's really good here. I kind of am one that, you know, and it says, and truly if they've called to mind that country from which they'd come, they, they could have, they had opportunity to return. Have I returned? You know, has it been an awesome walk with the Lord and then have I returned? I mean, this verse, when I was going through it, it really hit me because of coming back off the mission field, which, you know, you, you give up a lot of things. And then you come back to the States, and I get a really good job. I get an awesome church to be involved in, and everything's really starting to feel good. And both Shelly and I are just like, okay, God, when are you going to just pull the rug out from under us? Because this is really nice right now. You know, that's how we're just like waiting for it. I mean, I don't think that he's, you know, he does that. But just to rem- remember, and I think it's a point that he lets us in our maturity get to a place where he doesn't need to pull the rug out. He says, here you go, I've given you blessings, but I want you to understand you're a sojourner. You're, this is not your home. Do you still desire to be there with him? You know, do you still desire, like in verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. This is not my homeland. I'm seeking a better one. And just to check and make sure, yes, Lord, that's where I am. Lord, if I'm not there, could you please correct me? You know, be that father, that loving father to me and just correct me because I want that to be my passion. I want that to be my focus is, is on you. Verse 17 through 22, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son and of whom it is said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And so cool. Right there showing that, hey, in Abraham's mind, he believed the resurrection could happen, even though he hadn't seen it. This is another one of those, like, Noah instances, like resurrection, you know, I thought death you know, took a man. That was it. That was the curse. But he believed God could raise him up because he knew there was a plan for Isaac. He was already told this is the plan for Isaac. So, God, the only way you can do this is you're going to have to raise him because I am going to go through with what you've asked me to do. I'm going to do it. Such cool faith there. I mean, I can't... You know, you, I, I try to put myself in these, pl- these men's places and, and, and understand what would be going through my mind. <sighs> Having to put my kid up there and do something like that, I mean, even without the promise behind it, you know, of what God had done, and, and saying, here you go, God. I'm going to give you the most important thing in my life, and here it is, my child. You can have them. And just giving them up. And what a good place it is to be in that, because you know he's going to take care of it, and if he has to, he's going to raise them from the dead. You just follow through with what he's asked you to do. And his promise remains there. And I hope that's encouraging you guys. Those of you guys that are going through those tough times with your own children, just giving them up to him and saying, you know what? I just believe what you're going to say. I believe what you've said to me. 
You have my child. Yeah. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, uh, dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worship, leaning on the top of his staff. I think it's so neat in both of these. These are things that are countercultural because it's the second born or not the first born getting the, the birthright, right? But in faith, they went ahead and gave it to the one that, that God already set aside to do. We know Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, and then Jacob had to go through a conniving, misleading way to get it, you know, with the help of his mother. And then you get to see that Isaac blesses, I mean, sorry, Jacob then blesses uh, uh, Joseph's sons. And I love that part where it says, and he's leaning on the top of his staff. The staff is just such a cool representation because you think of the pilgrim with their staff, like still leaning on that pilgrim staff, waiting to be home, you know, as it, as it goes in that context. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of a departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Joseph knew that that wasn't his home either. He knew he was supposed to be in the promised land. And it's so cool with his faith that you get to see there. For one, he prophesies and says that the, they're going to be set free later on, right? They're going to move out of that place. But then he says, take me with you. I don't want to be buried in this land because this is my, my home. My home is in the promised land. Awesome. Verse 23. I know we're flying through this, but I'm just hoping you guys have heard these stories before, right? <laughs> we don't need to go back to each one of them. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king to man. This is one of those places you're like, wait a minute. I haven't ever heard him talk about Moses' parents. You know, like you get to hear about the mom a little bit here and like what she did. And, and you think that it was like out of last chance, you know, like this is what I got to do. But you read right there and it says they did not, they weren't afraid of the king's command. They could have been killed easily. If they would have been found out, they would have been killed. And I love the faith that it was involved there because of these parents. I mean, already bringing up Moses in this place of faith, right? And then God blesses them and where she actually gets to raise her own kid. What a cool thing. Put yourself in that place and thinking you're having to give up your kid. God, I want my, my child to survive. I'm not afraid of these king's commandments. There's no way I'm going to have my child killed. I'm going to put him in this river and let you take care of him. Another one of those instances of, here you go, God, here's my child. And he turns around and goes, here you go. I'm going to let you raise him. Imagine that, that lady. See, I mean, that is so cool to see God in his faithfulness and just how much he cares there. And so you get to see that faith of the parents, and the parents of Moses are pointed out here in the hall of faith. This one verse isn't talking about Moses. It's talking about his parents. Verse 24, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He had everything, right? Prince of Egypt, I, he had it all. And he's looking at his brothers out there and, and, and the slavery that they were having to go through, and that's what he chose because he knew that's where he was going. He was looking for that promise, looking forward to that reward that was going to happen later on, that these things in this earth weren't of concern to Moses. And it's so awesome to see him in that that faith that he had. And this is another one of those, just like Abraham, you can watch Moses' life and you can watch the progression of the faith being built up to where he gets to this point where he can just go up to a, this massive body of water and do what God told him to do. Raise his staff up. I mean, it is, <laughs> okay, God, here we go. So many neat things that God took these guys through. So 27, 
By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Just God's faithfulness. And, and as it goes through, and it's just encouraging, encouragement, and encouragement of have faith in God. What God says is going to happen. It will stir you, then take action. Just like those three points. And then to close it up in verses 30 through 40. And by the faith of the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. What an awesome lady there. Now, when you go back and you read the account, it talks about her already knowing that 40 years earlier, she knew about the crossing the Red Sea. Just about everybody around this area knew about that. Because we even get a read over in 1 Samuel where it talks about the Philistines knowing what kind of God Israel had behind them. It refers right back to the crossing and what happened with Egypt. I mean, this got out. The whole world knew what happened with what Jehovah God did for his people. And here's Rahab. She knows what's happened. She knows a few stories that have gone on, and she knows some things, and she believes in Jehovah, a Gentile. And by that, she shows her faith through her works by inviting the spies in and giving them, harboring them, which could have brought her and her family death, right? And then not only that, that when they were starting to encircle the city, which it says that hers was on the wall, right? It was right there. She put the scarlet down. Well, it's interesting that she stayed in her home. Here's everybody else freaking out. They said, stay in your home. Or, you know, if you're outside of it, you'll die. That was a scary spot. You didn't want to be in your house because there's no escape there. But she had faith. And just getting to see this woman, faith after faith, even though she was a sinner, we know she was a harlot. She had hardly any scripture. She had hardly any religious background. But yet here's God sparing her life because of her faith. What a neat woman there. And not only that, but we know that she ends up getting to be a part of Jesus' line. Isn't that cool? Like this Gentile lady, just because of this faith in what God gets to bless her, and, and now she's known for all time for that. Verse 32, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, talking about the three guys, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, became, uh, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the, the armies of the aliens. And just this, this thing where the writer right there is saying, guys, there's so many people in here. I could just go on and on about all these people, these, these people of faith. I mean, it's just too many people to write about. And then it says in 35, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking, scourgings, yes, and even of chains and imprisonment. And he wants to go into this point of, because you have faith, you still might have to suffer even to the point of death. And I, I, I'm glad he put this part in here, because if this part wasn't in here, those, those people that say, you know, faith is the way, uh, you won't be sick. People won't die if you have enough faith. I'm sorry, but right here, God made sure to make it a point that, you know what, that could still happen. That It's not about your faith that's going to make it. It's about God's will, and you just having faith in what his word is. And then going on, it says, uh, 
Still others had the trial of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And here's what I want to drive home, this last point here before we, we finish, is that looking at all this, you guys have to remember that these guys did not have the scriptures, right? They probably had the Pentateuch, the first five. But looking at some of these people, especially even the first ones, they didn't have the Pentateuch. I mean, this was stuff that was passed down. Now, we look at the Word of God, and like what Primo was talking about, just how we can dive into here, and it'll show us, it'll guide us. Think about not having this. Really, you are relying on what? God said. You're relying on what you've heard about family members and what's gone on in other people's lives, and you're stepping out in faith because of that. You had so much less of a hall of faith, if you want to look at it that way. There was less examples, even in the very first part of it, that to act out in this faith was a grand thing, wasn't it? And to make this point that these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. You guys, they were doing this pre-Jesus, B.C., right? These guys were doing all this before Christ. And now to look at our lives and to see where our faith is, it's like, okay, our faith should be, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Our faith should be so much more because we've seen Jesus. We've had him already come on the earth. He's already taken care of sin. 2,000 years later, now what's going on with our faith? Could we be like any of these people? I would hope so. I mean, we have so much more testimony. And like what verse 12, or chapter 1, verse 12 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a witness, a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We have so much more than these guys had. And if God accomplished this much through their lives, if he did that much in their lives because of the faith that they had, how much more is he going to do through our lives? But that's where that faith comes in and says, God, I want my homeland, and that's with you. And like I've said before, Wes Bentley, awesome guy and what he's done in his ministry, the way that he turned and he said, God, I want to be home with you, meaning I want my place to be with you. And just looking at our lives, is that where we want to be? Is our place to want to be with the Lord? There was a uh, Dr. Greg or George Morrison, he's a Scottish preacher.